everyone what is good and welcome to in this economy the podcast where young people from zimbabwe and around the world discuss how they are navigating life in the current economic circumstances with me your host kimya jeka welcome back we're officially in season two this is the first episode and before getting into it i just want to paint a picture of my guest and some of the things we'll be discussing in today's episode so Imagine growing up and experiencing one of the most gruesome guerrilla wars of independence the continent has ever seen. While you're living your life, you also experience two global health pandemics and three ongoing health pandemics in your own country. At the same time, you've also experienced two of the worst financial economic meltdowns in history. These have wiped out your pension twice now, and it's still ongoing. All the while, you're raising a family, building a home, taking care of extended family, and doing your best to live life on your own terms. That is just some of what my guest has experienced in this lifetime, and I thought it would be great to open the season with someone who's had a well, who has a wealth of knowledge experiences and kind of a bird's eye view of how they've survived, navigated, and are making it through life in this economy. I am so excited for you to hear this episode and really keen to hear from you. I love the engagement. Please do not forget to follow the podcast on social media at In This Economy Podcast on Instagram and follow me, your host, at Kimya Jekka on Twitter. Yeah, so let's just get into the episode let's get into it okay so for today's episode i have a very 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 special guest my father dad do you want to introduce yourself ah uh, hi kim um i'm both on uh, father to tanaka kim and tatenda um i'm 57 years old well thanks for introducing yourself dad i thought to invite you uh, on the podcast because I think you've had a very interesting experience um, of raising us in and being fully employed and everything at your age in Zimbabwe. We've never left the country. We've never lived anywhere else. We've visited places on a very short term and you, mom, no one has ever even, oh, well, growing up, no one ever even presented the idea that we're going to leave the country at any time, which is crazy because Zimbabwe is, um, I imagine you've been through a lot. You've seen everything with your age, having just come into independence and then during, I guess, the golden age of like the post 30, post-independent era, if you can call it that, two of two really big financial crises, ongoing uncertainty, and just watching the economy deteriorate from it being really good to almost impossible, but still standing, still being here, still not leaving. So we're just going to explore that a little bit, unpack that, and yeah, talk about it. No, it's, just, it's quite interesting hearing you talk about all these things, just giving a synopsis of where we've come from. But the interesting bit about life is you tend to get these things in hindsight. Yeah. Uh, because with life, you're just living it, expecting a better tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, because life is one of those things uh, where you, you don't have a time to rehearse. No time where a whistle is, is blown to say, now start, yeah. uh, start to enjoy it. Mm. Now stop, something is happening. 
uh, start to do something else. So when I hear you talk in hindsight that there were peaks, uh, crises, is, is something that you kind of look, look at the back and say, oh, that was a crisis. But during that moment, you're actually saying, look, I want to live. I want to provide the best for myself, best for my kids, mm. uh, best for people who you love. And uh, you, you kind of look for... Um, opportunities to make sure that you do that you, you provide that mm. um, um, tough yes um, it's tough but what keeps you going is your objective so my first question is what did you expect settling in Zimbabwe would be like when you were my age well when I was your age Kim um, I think I was married yeah um, at Tanaka uh, and uh, I think mom was expecting you. Uh, <laughs> so um, we're young, uh, very much in love, uh, very much very optimistic about the future. Uh, because, you know, when you're starting a family, um, all your hopes really are around saying, look, you're going to be there. Mm. You're going to create a good life for both yourself and the kids. So I would say... At your age, life was fun, very optimistic at that point in time, yeah. Mm. And I recall at your age, uh, that was, I was working for Anglo-American then, mm. um, company secretary. Um, it was a decent job. Um, I had a car, a 323. Uh, we just bought our house. Um, so I would say life was, was good. Mm. Yeah, so... No, that sounds yeah. good. Mm. I find it interesting that you say you were young when you were my age. Uh, I'm not saying that I feel particularly old, uh, but I feel like I'm not young, if that makes sense. I feel like there's, I have this feeling of time running out because when you tell me at your age, you're married, you bought a house, you had a car, you're a company secretary, all of those kinds of things. I'm just like, wow, because I don't feel anywhere close to that and my life is not at a place of that kind of stability at the moment so it's like yeah i, I guess where from your standpoint it's like yeah i was young i was young and to me i'm like Oof. you know i'm a little bit behind if you can say that it's quite interesting you say that you know um when you get to my age you appreciate how young you were at that point in time um of course um, I know at your age you've got expectations mm. and you feel anxious and the anxiety comes in because you've got your own expectations and you've got your reality. But when you get to my age, you get to find out that um, you actually have got a lot more time than what you think. Mm. So that the anxiety that you feel at your age of you've got expectations and your reality, you always feel uh, anxious because you feel you're running out of time. Mm. And because you feel you're running out of time, frustration set in, and you're going to make certain choices because you believe you're running out of time. But reality actually is you're not running out of time. I mean, when I was at the age, I didn't think I had 28 more years ahead of me. <laughs> but I'm now telling you that, Kim, you know, to get to my age, you still have got 28 yes, more years. Yeah. So wherever you have now feeling pressure that you've got a year to, no, 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 you've got actually 28 years mm. to achieve what you want, mm. really. And, and therefore, that puts in perspective that uh, certain anxieties and certain pressures that you feel, you might have to let them go and really enjoy the ride. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying 
uh, ignore your your expectations or ignore your objective what you want to achieve no 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 but don't put yourself under pressure because if you put under yourself under pressure you're going to make certain choices that are suboptimum that will actually at the end of the sabotage your 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 objectives did you ever consider relocating especially during the first sort of financial crisis in zimbabwe which was in the late 1990s if i'm not mistaken where things started to look a little bit shaky employment protests had started um there was just a lot of uh instability starting in the country before we even get to the 2000s to 2008 things were pretty there was a, a few tremors before the big earthquake did you consider relocating at any point yeah i mean like any young person at that point in time uh, i think south africa just got in independent uh, mandela came out uh, prison 1990 and all of us were quite excited um south africa was actually a natural place for all of us to go uh, lots of my friends left for south africa i actually thought of going to south africa mm. uh, myself and i also looked for opportunities as south, south africa during that time um i didn't find any that were enticing enough for me to leave the job that i had to go to south africa so so those opportunities did pass and i recall in the mid 90s 97 98 going into 99 there was a craze of people going to the uk uh to 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 go and work um and it was easier to go into the uk then um um i remember your mom and i discussed about it and your mom actually left for the UK in 1999 uh, to go and find out whether it's somewhere where we could uh, settle she she I think she went for almost like a month i remember in in, in august we just actually interestingly uh, old much were just demutualized mm. and we'd gotten our shares and i think at that point they were worth about 300 300 So mom at 300 at 300 we combined them and we bought a ticket for it to go to the UK <laughs> and some spending money and she she went to the UK and she spent about a month working there. Mm. Um she came back and she said look she didn't like it. Mm. Um she didn't like the work. Um and she said she preferred it here. So we actually made a decision that you know what let's let's settle here and at that point in time now we uh, we no longer had just Tanaka with you and with Tatenda so we have a full family Tanaka was now at school you are also starting school so issues around schooling mm. uh, we started looking at that and we said look Zimbabwe had the best education and we said look let's let's stay here for the uh, for the benefit of our kids for the education of our kids so so uh, i would say yes we thought about it yes we did explore and we made the decision that I would stay here mm-hmm. uh, and most of my close friends really uh, we talked about it and actually made the decision that we were going to be staying here so so we, we were very 100% in permanent in Zimbabwe at that mm-hmm. point in time and that's the decision that we made uh, at that point in time having stayed i mean yeah we uh, you stayed built the family we all went to school and all those boxes were ticked um aside from all the good stuff mm-hmm. that came with staying and you know us not having to experience our nuclear family being so far apart like a, what of a lot of Zimbabweans experience but i would say for all the good that came with staying what has been the most challenging part of 
all the economic uncertainty in Zimbabwe for you as a 50-something-year-old man in Zimbabwe? What's the most challenging part? I think the most challenging part for me uh, has been, number one, uh, thinking about how to fend for the family uh, and also uh, not just your own family but also extended family because the men of my age um, I only not have responsibilities for my nuclear family I've got responsibilities for my extended family uh, both my own family my in-laws uh, because I'm pretty much of a family person and I grew up in a big family where everybody looks after each other. So the, the, the best thing, the one of the most challenging things that I found is, uh, is, 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 is how to be able to, to, to achieve uh, your responsibilities, uh, both to your nuclear family and also to the extended family, uh, given the challenges of, of inflation, given the challenges of... Um, everyone facing, including yourself, facing financial hardship. A good example is um, um, someone in, in the family gets ill. How, how do you get that person well? Um, access to medication, be it locally or outside the country, so that that, that beloved person gets well. Mm. Uh, so those become challenging issues um, and for me, particularly in the 2000s, 2004, 5, 6, going into 8, where because of inflation, scarcity of issues uh, of, of, of resources, both medical and, 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 and uh, food, how do you fend for your own family and also extended family onto that? Mm. It becomes very challenging because you cannot just wish away your responsibilities or... You cannot just not take care of, of your own family and extended family just because they're hardship. For me to be where I, where I am, there were also a lot of people who were responsible mm. and who took responsibility for me. It's my time now also to, to participate in making sure that everybody is also doing well despite what's happening in the environment. Mm -hmm. So I would say the most difficult part is, is, is executing those responsibilities given the meltdown that is happening on them. Uh, because when the economy was doing well, you knew everyone within their own uh, nucleus family, they are able to do well, reasonably well. But when the economy crumbles, the nuclear families also crumble and they're not able to do well. So we now look at each other to say, how can we help each other? I cannot sleep well when I know my, my guru, my babam nini, or my tete is not, is not well. So I have to figure out how can I help mm -hmm. so that all of us uh, are comfortable. Not to the level of that one, but at least we are getting by. Mm. Yeah. But I just want to ask, overall, having you know experienced the euphoria at independence and truly believing in, the, in, in Zimbabwe, in and truly believing in your decision to stay here. Does the situation for you personally make you angry? The fact that 
you know, your pension has disappeared maybe twice now. Um, for you personally, um, looking at what it's done to our families, how it's degraded our society, um, and just how difficult it's made things. Like what you pointed out, you know, if someone gets sick, it's not a matter of going to the doctor. It's also a matter of does the doctor know how to access the medications that aren't readily available. They're so, it's so, and I've spoken about this in previous episodes where it's just so difficult to do simple, simple things here. Does, how does it make you feel outside of being able to take care of others? How does it make you feel personally, especially at the stage that you've gone into in life? Well, you know, um, for me particularly, uh, I would say I think Zimbabwe has been good too to me and my family. Um, when I look at myself, I mean, when we got independent in 1980, I was a young 16-year-old boy, uh, just completing my O-levels at Fletcher High School. Um, and I remember my brother and I were very excited. My brother had just completed his Form 2. I uh, were quite excited about it. And remember, we... We were kids that had been born, and we we actually experienced the war. Um, I'll give an example for our family. My father and mother were teachers in, in rural areas, uh, and that's where the war was happening. And my father and mother decided to keep on teaching in the rural areas, despite of the war. And the reason why they did that is because they wanted to send my brother and I to school. Because if they left those jobs and left those, uh, those schools, they would not have had access to income. And that would have meant my brother and I would have dropped out of school. So despite the, uh, the war, we actually went to best schools in Zimbabwe, we went to Fletcher High School at that point in time. So my mom and dad actually sacrificed and put their lives on the front line for, for us uh, to have the life that we are now having now. They put their lives, it was not easy at that point in time. When we talked to my father, they were also poor collaborators. Is a, my father was actually headmaster. Not only were they looking after us, but they were also looking after the, uh, the, the comrades uh, that were fighting the war. So you hear stories of my father saying when he gets his salary, you drive into into Harare, uh, send us school fees or money for pocket money, and then you would buy some provisions for, for, for the comrades in the bush, and you would drive back. On other days, uh, his car was also being used to ferry uh, guns and so forth for, 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 for the comrades and so forth. So they really put their lives at the front line. And when you look at it, uh, my father at that point in time, 1980, he was about 30, he was a 38-year-old young man. And, and I think he was also excited because he was fighting the war as well. But he was also putting his life in danger. So he was also putting his life in danger for, for the future that he thought uh, we all have and also for, 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 for us as his kids. So he was actually looking forward to, 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 to that. And uh, after independence now, all that risk was gone. Mm. And I remember 1980, my father was able to buy a house in Braeside. And that was the first time 
um, in I would say six years where we were able to stay together as a family during the crazy war days it was either one is in town one is there and so forth it was all trying to just make sure that everybody was safe as opposed to saying as, as a nuclear family uh, and there was happiness all along and I'm, I'm talking of my family alone but all my brothers sisters and everybody were all able to stay as, as families mm -hmm. we were able to visit each other go to the rural areas without any problems mm -hmm. so it, it was it was true liberation for us opportunities for us were quite abundant even when i finished my all levels there were quite a lot of opportunities i mean apprenticeships everywhere and i've got friends who decided not to go continue to a levels went for apprenticeship they're doing very well and when i look at now and then i compare then and there of course uh, there are difficulties but if one looks at it globally uh, it has been good because i don't think opportunities that have come to people like myself would have been possible uh, were we not independent mm -hmm. okay uh, i don't think the pride that we have for people of my age would have been possible uh, were it not for for independence of course one also has to dilute it in terms of are we are all our expectations being met uh, the answer is no would we like it better the answer is yes would like it better because now we've got kids who are also now looking and saying what is their future going to be like and we're also feeling very anxious about it so we also now say look uh, what can what should we do to make sure that their future and hopes are the same as ours in 1980 mm -hmm. i think that's a challenge for for us uh, of men and women of our generation uh, is, is not much what has happened to us but much of saying what future can we create for our kids because i believe now uh, for whatever has happened we my generation are now responsible for the future of our kids the same way my father's generation was responsible for our future because like i told you my father was in a war zone taking all these risks for our future now we are now here our generation also has to take those risks for the future for our kids because at the end of the day i don't think anyone is responsible for that future but ourselves mm. that's that's very interesting yeah. and very mm. refreshing to hear mm. because a lot of the rhetoric you see on social media or you hear you know from people of your generation who are active they talk about the youth must the youth must the youth must um but as a young person i despite all of my privileges i feel quite disenfranchised in my country disenfranchised as a young person because of the ageism i've experienced um i don't know that i have complete faith in the electoral system but even if I did have complete faith in it, I'm not certain that the candidates who are there have me in mind when they are thinking about the future. So I find it quite interesting and really refreshing for you to actually take on that responsibility that there actually is something to be done and it's something for people your age to be concerned about. Um, being grateful for what you were able to experience but also trying to have a hand in working towards a, a young or youth that can be as optimistic about the future as you had the opportunity to be optimistic. And that that's a responsibility that can't just be siphoned off to the 
I guess, like the airy-fairy concept of the youth. And I think part of the anxieties that we have as young people is not only are we supposed to survive, but we're also, there's also this expectation that we have to do something. Like, I don't know what it is, but you'll have to go to war or you'll have to do this or you will have to do that. Um, in order to be the change you want to see, you have to do something. And it can also kind of feel lonely and you sort of exclude people from your generation from the narrative because I guess the traditional thing is to sort of, we did our part, you guys do your thing now, you know? Yeah, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting that you say this uh, because I was talking to a friend of mine, a Nigerian, uh, who said, you know what, both well, one of the biggest advantages that you've got as Zimbabweans is because you've got a generation of people who knew, who experienced how things can be, how you can have a normal economy, how you can have uh, a youth that completes an education course for a job and actually ends to uh, also be going to pension because you've experienced that. And you know, you've got also your kids have not experienced that, right? So your responsibility now is how do you pass on that? Your experience, how do you pass them on? And he, he gave a good example, both for in, 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 in Lagos, uh, things were so, uh, things had been bad that <clears throat> when they put the first traffic lights, uh, we've got a uh, red, green, ember. People then did not know what it was like. <laughs> so they couldn't even read the traffic lights. Uh, so they didn't know what green was, mm. red and ember was, and so forth. So those, uh, those traffic lights were, were not going to serve the purposes uh, of what they were put in, right? And, and they had to go on a big campaign on it. And like I said, it's, I'm just, it was just being elaborate. And he said, you know what, you Zimbabweans, you, you, my generation, right, know how things are supposed to be to, to have worked. So it's now a responsibility now to mentor and, and actually say, you know what, this is what is supposed to be, and then move forward. And, and you cannot wait for anyone to, to do that. It's you. Mm. We have to do that. Mm. So that, that's our responsibility mm. uh, to do that. Uh, is it easy? No, it's not easy, but I think we have to acknowledge that we've got a responsibility. Mm. Men and women of my generation have got that responsibility. Just springboarding from that and having your generation acknowledge that responsibility, mm -hmm. what advice would you give young Zimbabweans or young people from developing countries um, who want to stay in the country that are not, you know, trying actively trying to leave but who actually see the value in staying in the country i have acquaintances friends colleagues who don't see a point in leaving or for various reasons really do want to stay um and reasons that are similar to yours about families about where their children are going to go to school uh, for all of those kinds of reasons and also people who just of course don't have access to certain opportunities and have no choice but to stay what advice would you give to them? No, I'm glad that you have actually said the, cho the, the decision to stay is one's choice, right? Uh, the same uh, way a decision to leave is one's choice, uh, because I always believe that it's, it's a choice, and when you've made your choice, uh, you go by it. Uh, so if, if 
if someone has made a decision to stay, has made a choice to stay, I think the first and foremost thing that one has to acknowledge that it's, 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 not, it's not an easy environment. It's not easy. And I'm not going to be here and take him. It's easy. But all I can say is um, there are also opportunities. Um, are those opportunities easy to exploit? No, they're not easy to exploit. They're not easy to exploit. It's going to take a lot of effort. It's going to take a lot of <clears throat> using your networks and your contacts to exploit those opportunities. Um, are you always going to be successful? No, you're not always going to be successful. I always say in Zimbabwe, you can decide to be pessimistic and you'll have all the reasons to be pessimistic. And you know what? I will not argue with you. At the same time, you can, have, you can decide to be positive and you can have all the reasons to be positive and I will not argue with you. But it actually becomes a choice that you want to be positive regardless of all the problems that, that are there. And I'm not saying ignore those problems. No, no, no. no. It's, it's, it becomes a mindset at the end of the day of, 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 of what you want to do. And the next question that one would ask is, where are the opportunities? Mm. Uh, what can I be doing to... <laughs> okay. which, is, which is a difficult one. Number one, I think let's, let's take out, we can tick off the, 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 the issues. Number one, it's difficult to get employment. So let, let's, let's not argue about that. I mean, we know industry is beginning to pick up, but it's, it's a slow. So op employment opportunities are not there. The, the space that they, uh, which I've seen a lot of young people exploit, uh, some with um, some degree of success, have been in the area of entrepreneurship, mm. uh, looking at what you believe you are good at uh, and trying to say how can you make a living out of it. And being an entrepreneur requires discipline, all right? So if you get disciplined about it, it can be a lifestyle that you'll enjoy and you never know what other doors that. And I've worked together with those youths. I've seen some of them succeed uh, quite a lot. But, it, but one thing that I found with those youths that have been able to do, to be successful in all those areas has been the area around discipline. Mm. And, and knowing that it's not going to be easy, but it's going to be hard. And knowing that you're not going to make it big in a year or two, but it's going to take a lot of hard slogging onto it. But I've also seen youths who have said, you know what, after having tried, they actually say, you know what, uh, I'm making a decision to, to move out of Zimbabwe, which is fine um, as well. Because once you make a decision to stay, it doesn't mean you are stuck with your decision. If it doesn't work, there's always an option for you to, 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 to move out. And remember, like I always said with the youths, like I said to you right at the beginning, you've got a long time. It's, 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 it's not a journey. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not a one year. Don't give yourself one year, two years. No, no, no. It's, it's, you've got a long time. So if you've made a decision to stay, then you might as well spend all your energy trying to make it work rather than lamenting what it would have been. Mm. Um, and I always say, if you find it difficult, always leave an option to, to, to live. Mm. Yeah, there's, there's an option to, for you to live. Yeah, something like popped up in my mind. Mm. Uh, when you're talking about discipline and trying your hand in different businesses, growing up, 
um, you and mom started a lot of different business ventures mm. and all of those kinds of things. Some out of interest, some out of necessity, just like exploring the best ways to be able to support our family mm. overall. Um, and a lot of people talk about, especially people my age talk about, you know, when they think about how difficult Zimbabwe has been, how our parents were able to get us through, get mm. us over, send us mm. to school, um, put us in situations where we could exploit certain opportunities in the country and for a lot of people outside of the country. Even just being, you know, aware that leaving and aware of the opportunities that are outside of the country, um, your parents had to ensure you had access to information or in environments where that access to information, just in the right environment, and around, you know, people who could share that with you or just having the drive to do that, knowing that that's an option. Um, but in that time when you were young, putting, you know, me and my siblings through school mm-hmm. and we always ask ourselves, you know, Zimbabwean parents are superheroes. How mm-hmm. did they do it? How did you do it? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, what's um like I said, uh, it's, it's only on hindsight that you, you, you begin to question yourself, how did you do it? But when you are doing it, it's, it's part of life. You, you, you have to be doing it. Uh, you have to be doing it. I mean, I, I recall in 2006, seven, when, I, when it was really hyper, hyper. Um, the inflation. The inflation, yeah, yeah the hyperinflation. Um, your mom and I had, I think, a bank account in all the in all the banks, <laughs> and I recall, mom was not working there, but we had a pact that uh, every morning she would go and withdraw some money <coughs> from 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 the banks, and she would look for foreign currency. Mm. Uh, and we had a target every day of how much, how much we should, <laughs> should, we should, uh, uh, we should get, mm. uh, and would accumulate that money. And we knew every three months uh, when kids are on holiday, we go for a trip into South Africa for three, four days <laughs> to buy the basic necessities and groceries, and, uh, groceries yeah. and, and and come home. Mm. Um, yeah, so 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 you, you tend to get those kind of things. Um, yeah, we raised chickens. Um, I did try a hand in uh, buying and selling cement. Uh, it was a big thing then. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, also, the other big thing, I we invested in the stock market. Uh, it used to it used to run quite well, uh, but the key was when do you turn it into cash mm. uh, and convert it so that you're able to go and buy groceries <coughs> in, in, in South Africa uh, onto there. So there were a lot of all these things that you were trying your hand in. Um, I know mom was also doing a lot of buying and selling. So that, that's how we uh, were doing it. It's, it's, it's only now when you look at it, I said, it was a lot of work. But at that point in time, we had to do it yeah. uh, for us to get what we wanted. Yeah. I, I remember... And I think about this a lot, how we spent, I think it was a good 10 years, going back and forth to South Africa for basic groceries. Mm. Not only for us, but for most of the family. Yeah. Come and, you know, 
just this truck or a trailer just full and full of groceries yeah. i was at the border not to sell but just to, just to eat, to eat to yeah. and use and everything yeah, yeah. And i remember thinking it was only after 10 years of going back and forth to johannesburg specifically uh we only first went to gold reef city when i was about 23 so I had my whole childhood and I knew like the industrial Joburg like trade center I knew where to get tiles you know you know where to get pipes and groceries and all of those things but we didn't really do anything leisurely yeah you know we didn't go for fun there was always a plan and it was only until I was older going and being like oh yes there's Monte Casino Gold Reef City there's actual tourist attractions we didn't really start going anywhere for fun like much later mm. so it's i i can imagine if my memory is like that where I, we only started really just enjoying life as a family and all of those things when i was a uh, later in my teens mm. but growing up especially at the height of like the hyperinflation and everything there was so much traveling mm. there was we were bonding we were doing all of these things but that really was part of just surviving yeah you know and I think it's only later in life that I truly appreciate that because even as a kid, I didn't know that that was part of a struggle. So I really do commend and appreciate you and mom for like everything that you've done. Um, but also just, I know you weren't sugarcoating it, but it never felt like this was a burden. This is a necessity. And my parents are hustling like so much. It just felt like this is something we need to do for everybody. And when I think of how you guys did it, in my mind, I'm like, I don't know. Mm. All I know is that I went to school. Mm. Um, we had groceries, albeit it's not the greatest mm. <laughs> all the time. But we, I, I, I never felt in want or insecure about having basic commodities. And that's something I really appreciate you guys for, for sure. Yeah. Um, but my final question to you is, in your opinion, Dad, mm. from your experiences, do you think there is hope for me to create the life that you gave me for my children in Zimbabwe? Yes, definitely. Definitely. Definitely, Kim. Uh, and I'm being very honest uh, about this. Like I said, life is long, very long. But one of the key things that I've also found is it's, it's a function of the choices that you're going to be making. Nothing is just going to happen on its own. It's going to be subject to your choices, all right? Um, and at any one point in time, um, you're always looking at the choices and actually saying, is this the best choice? that would have made. And if changes need to be made, you, you change them. Your objective, you are saying, is you want to make, you want to give your family the best. Mm -hmm. That becomes your objective. You now have to may say to yourself, if I've made this choice, what should I be doing in my journey? Mm -hmm. What should I be doing? Right. But at the same time, uh, I'm also saying, if you have made a choice to stay in Zimbabwe, it's fine. But if you believe that you may need to leave Zimbabwe for a year or two to achieve your objective, there's nothing wrong with it. Because remember, your objective is to provide for your kids. You're not going to be measured by how long you've stayed in Zimbabwe. 
right? You're not going to get a badge of honor saying, ah, you know what, <laughs> there's a badge of honor there. You're going to be measured by saying, look, if you looked after your family well, you see. So, and, and, and if that's, that's the measure that you're going to give yourself, you're going to be making decisions all the time. Staying here, I'm moving out, my spouse is going to be staying, I'm going to, you're going to be making a lot of decisions, right? But give yourself time, you're not going to be measuring yourself every year, every whatever, but you're going to be looking at it over a period of time, like what you're saying, after 10 years, and say, oh, how have I achieved it, mm. right? Because if you're going to be looking at yourself on an annual basis, it's going to be very difficult. Mm. Because life, by nature, you can't look at it on a year-by-year -year basis. Mm. You can't, you have to look at it over a period of time. That period is made up of decisions that you've made year on year, year on year, okay? But for you to have a full reflection, you have to give yourself time. My advice is know that it's going to be some total of your choices that you're going to be you're in control of it. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be difficult, yes, it, it will be difficult, but enjoy the ride. You're in life to live it. Yeah. It's not a test, it's not an exam, you are living it. Enjoy the ride. Well, thank yeah. you, Dad. Thank you. Good. Oh, I've got an audience. I think you get a standing <laughs> But thank you so much. And that is the episode. Thank you so much once again to my guest. Dad, you are amazing. You are the greatest. Thank you so much. Please, once again, do not forget to follow the podcast on social media at In This Economy Podcast on Instagram and follow me, your host, at Kimya Jek on Twitter. And hey, wherever you're listening to the podcast, whatever streaming platform, please rate it. Let me know what you think about the show in general, but also this episode. I love your engagement, your comments. Everything is amazing. And I'm so excited to get into the season with you. Um, I talk about the theme a little bit. Well, I explained the theme of the season in the mini episode I put out earlier this year. So you can check that out. We're going to be unpacking and discussing economic inclusion. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for tuning in and I will see you next week.